coming up on Garden Talk. Once you end up with branches that are too skinny, that are in the middle still, because some genetics like to do that, you want to lollipop those as much as possible. You're going to get more production vertically. Some people don't find it to be a pretty looking site, but if you do it just right, lollipop and maintenance your plants, you'll get more production that way vertical. And it's all about a leveled canopy. And that's where Toppin will help you out. You're just making sure you're not, in, you're not letting anything get like this. You don't, you don't want something low and something high. My first trellis is simply to train the plant. The second trellis is to support the middle branches. And the third trellis is to uh, support the upper part of the branches. It's nice to be able to create that beautiful art and train a plant the way you see them being trained, but not put that much physical labor into it. What's up, everybody? If you that don't know me, my name is Chris, a.k.a. Mr. Grow It, and you're tuned into the Garden Talk Podcast. This episode number 98. In this episode, I interview Josh, but many of you know him as Baby Growilla. He has been gardening for nine years and is the creator of the Web Trellis. He talks all about different plant training techniques and how to maximize yield using them. If you gain value from these podcast episodes, please click the like button and also subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. That way you can be notified when new episodes are released. If you'd like to support even more, visit patreon.com slash mrgrowit. There are various rewards set up for those of you who support, and you can pledge any amount that you'd like. 100% of the money pledged through Patreon goes right back into the podcast. It helps this podcast keep going, so thank you so much for your support there. Before we get into it, I want to acknowledge that one of my goals for this podcast is to bring free gardening information of all plants to the general public. That being said, I'd like to thank the sponsors of today's episode who helped make that goal possible. Thanks to AC Infinity for sponsoring this episode. Their clip-on oscillating fan is awesome. I've been using their 6-inch version, but they also have a 9-inch version. It's easy to clip on the side of my grow tent and has 10 different speeds, which makes it easy to control air circulation. They do have a non-oscillating version of this clip-on fan as well. It also connects to their Smart Controller 69, so you can control the fans and other AC Infinity equipment through their app from your smartphone. The discount code MrGrowIt15 works on both Amazon and their website, acinfinity.com. Thanks to Spider Farmer for being a sponsor. Check out their new SF600 grow shelves. Both the metal stand and plant trays are included. Each shelf is the perfect size for an SF600 LED grow light and two 10-inch by 20-inch heat mats. It's also on wheels, so it's portable and has dual locking casters. Use discount code MrGrowIt5 to save 8% on their website or 5% on Amazon. I'll leave links in the video description section below. And we are back. Welcome to the Garden Talk Podcast. Today I'm joined with Josh, but some of you know him as Baby Growilla. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How's it going, to How's it going, Mr. Grow? I just want to say hi to you and appreciate you for letting me on the show. And um, I want to say what's up to the whole Mr. Grow It fam. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Today, we're going to talk about maximizing yield with plant training. So there are so many different ways to train plants. And if you do things right, you can absolutely increase the overall yield. But before we get deep into that, let's do an introduction. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into gardening? Yeah, so um, I, I was really active as a kid, and I used to like really be into sports. And uh, the one that took its toll on me the most was basketball. After a few like wear and tear on my ankles, I um, I used to do. I found that this medicine helped me deal with the pain a lot better than um, you know other things. So 
after a while I um you know I started to take advantage of the the opportunity uh, in 2010 they started up uh, uh, well they didn't start that's when I heard about it the program um, the medical plant program licensing so that's when I got my started getting my hands dirty that's awesome so before we get deep into training plants one of the things you had mentioned when I sent you over the initial list of questions is you had mentioned that the plant needs to be healthy and you want to talk about plant health first talk to us about plant health why is that so important before you start training plants so um you know before before we talk about uh plant training i'd like to obviously talk about um plant health because without a healthy plant you really can't do anything um although like a lot of people that are starting off i realize people pop seeds and they have really healthy plants because they haven't gotten any viruses or any kind of um bugs yet but to people that probably for the most part have a clone where maybe there's a virus in there or some kind of uh pathogens or or even even like it's good to start off with bugs and make sure you don't have bugs and why your plant's sick and most importantly the worst one is when you're uh when your when your stems get purple it's really hard to train your plants so like if you have purple stems in vegetation not in flower because those are two different things Usually, if you put the light too close and flower, you'll get, like, uh, the, 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 the plant itself will try to, what they call, uh, like, shade itself so it turns purple, and that's fine in flower. But in vegetation, if that happens, and it's coming from a deficiency, then you have to try to correct it. And that's where you start digging. I, I like to start off making sure I don't have bugs that I can't see. But usually, I'm really, digital, you know, like, very vigilant on um, in my garden, making sure I don't have that. And once I find out, if I find out I have like something in my roots or anything like that, I'll usually start off with like, um, I'll start off with three grams per gallon of uh, peroxide. I use um, Sanidate, which is more concentrated. So it's probably a more concentrated dosage than you would get out of peroxide. With that said though, uh, I'll I'll also use um, a little bit of dish soap and um that seems to like really help me out like in the root system but what happens is i wipe out a lot of my um my built up colonies of like microbes microfungi whatever's in there that it took me so long to build up then i have to kind of like re-inoculate and get everything back in there i'll put like usually i like to use uh amino acids fulvic acid and uh humic acid all at the same time which is, you know, it's in the recharge, so that's kind of like a little bit of a cheat code. But if I want to get more of it, I'll just get it separately. And I'll add it in there all in the same day. I'll put microbes, everything right back in. And um, after I see that I don't have any bugs or anything, what I'll do is the next step I'll take is I'll actually add magnesium. And if you're if you're already using Epsom salt and you're already using a magnesium, I, I recommend to use a little more magnesium. And I also recommend to use uh, phosphorus separately in raw form. Usually, like if you if you buy like a product like raw, for example, uh, raw MPK, they'll already have it in the uh, you know they have it in raw form, so you can just go buy it. It's just real easy to have it in raw form. Add a little more of those two things, which is uh, the magnesium I mentioned and the phosphorus, and that kind of covers you. Um, and, you know, for the sake of having purple stems, along with the fact that 
you do have to make sure that your environment is correct. Once you get your environment correct and go over those two, three things that I just mentioned, that's like my process of elimination when it comes to purple stems. What exactly is the issue with purple stems, though? You hear people say that it's zinc. You hear some people say it's phosphorus. You hear some people say it's magnesium. You hear people say that it's for cold temperatures. Is it one of the things and not the other, or is it a combination of things, or, or what? My answer to that is usually when I start to spot purple stems, it'll be like after I transplant it and um, maybe like left the lights at an all the way 100% intensity. Um, I'll notice the purple stem. That's almost me creating it. But if I could be on top of it and I could like lower my, my percentage to around 30, 40% for the first five days, uh, it kind of helps me ease my way into the, the process because I notice more purple stems with LEDs. And um, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that the lights are flickering at a faster rate than your traditional HPS. Now, with all that said, there's other ways to create purple stems. Um, like if it gets too cold, obviously, you're going to get purple stems. And, you know, I, I really talk about it a lot when I'm around other growers and, and they, they, they like, they like, man, what's your, your problem with purple stems? But if you have purple stems, you just can't train your plants. If, you're, if that's what you're trying to do is train your plants. Yeah, the stems become more harder and less like malleable and you can't really bend them as well. I mean, I totally agree with you on that one. And it seems like it doesn't girth up. Like your branches don't thicken up after they, they're, they're, if you can correct the problem, you'll start to see these green lines coming through. And then the green lines almost like uh, come out and then push out the purple. And eventually you'll see purple lines. If you corrected the problem, you know, like if you did a good job at correcting it and you got it on time. But there's been times where I've where I've gotten purple stems and like the plants almost never recovered from it. And there's been times where you just go into flower and they almost like fix themselves right away because sometimes they say don't put a you know like a, a sick plant in the flower. And which I don't I don't recommend to do it. But there's been times where my plants been sick and just the twelve hours of resting and maybe something in the formula because they get more phosphorus right away, it just corrects it. You know, I don't recommend it, but I, I, I actually recommend to get your environment under control. You get you, you go through them three things that I brought up, and, and, and that's a good way to kind of go about correcting the, the purple stems. Okay. So say the plant is healthy. Someone is ready for training. Let's start with one of the most common methods of training, which is low-stress training. Talk to us. What is low-stress training? When do you do low-stress low training, and how? Do you do low stress training in order to maximize yield? So one thing I do want to be clear on is that um, you don't need to necessarily do these 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 uh, practices that we're talking about. And like, to, it's not the only way to get maximum production. If you have like a tent and the law says you can grow twelve plants, then you could just basically what we're trying to do is create what a uh, 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 sea of green and. It doesn't matter how you do it or how I do it. It just matters that I fill it and I make it look the same. So basically this, this strategy that we're, um, that we're that I'm practicing is for like micro growers where they've, they've kind of set certain laws and in that they kind of, uh, they made it to where you can't really mass produce it. You, so, so like some people, micro growers will make the best out of the 24 
some people even the 12 plants they have so that's why people do this and, and with that said um so what happens is when you when you when you only have so many plants to work with you got a four by four you got a you know six by six and you're trying to train plants and you only have four because that's what you want to do what happens is when you all the oxins which are the hormones of that plant are at the top of the plant and when you pull these plants out and if you do it properly with the right pruning the middle branches are going to grow up and when people are scrogging which is the difference is that that's not what they're looking to do they're looking to kind of do more branches to where um you're kind of focusing a little different when you're when you're doing the lst growing you're trying to grow a perfect bush of a plant so um to uh to to kind of shed a little more light on that lst is when you um when you pull the main branch down or a couple main branches you distribute the the plant energy towards the middle of the plant and it um like i said with the right lollipopping and the <clears throat> and the foliation you can get colas in the middle because that's basically what a lot of people want to do they don't want to end up with the smaller buds but um very important another thing i like to mention is it's important to not train the skinnier not so thick branches that are in the middle but to train only the big thick branches that were kind of like the ones that were too tall you move those out and um once you end up with branches that are too skinny that are in the middle still because some genetics like to do that you want to lollipop those as much as possible and leave it alone and if not if if it shows you it has enough potential to do something then maybe top it but really lollipopping is like one of the things that's more important than anything when it comes to growing because um if i if you gave me one style to grow right now and i only had one way to do it it'd just be a bunch of plants and i'd lollipop them it's, so it really comes down to plant maintenance and uh plant health we'll get into lollipopping in a little bit here that is uh, one of the questions on the list here a, a little bit later I, I think one of the biggest mistakes that new growers make that are just starting to train is pulling that initial branch down and you mentioned you talked about like the hormones and if you don't actually pull that branch down so it's lower than the other branches then that main branch that you just pulled down is going to still continue to dominate and uh, you know sometimes when the plant is young you can't actually pull that branch all the way down to be lower sometimes you just need to do a slight bend to begin but eventually you want to get that main top down lower than some of the other branches. So the plant will then focus its growth on those other branches. It happens time and time again with, with me. It can be tricky. It's not always easy to do. But I figured I'd mention that one. Yeah, I'd like to also add to that. And uh, where I would want to add is on top of what you said, um, sometimes you'll tie a branch down and it's not tied um, you know, good enough. And now this branch is, is like coming up and now it's just, it almost like, it just doesn't look right. If you could really hold that branch there, that's that's very important to be able to really firmly, whatever trellis unit you have, if you could just firmly hold it there and not allow it to come back up because it's just, it's not what you were, what you were aiming for when you started everything. So speaking of, I started using the training clips in order to then train them, on, train them later. And I noticed that uh, a good friend of mine, you know, he, he, he basically told me this would happen years ago and I never tried it, but I wanted to do it for, for R&D. And uh, 
when I put the clips on it, took them off, did everything right, I went to open them up. Again, I went to basically train the, the plant again and it snapped. So I noticed that, um, you know, when you do that, you're creating that, that barky area where it gets like a knuckle sometimes and even almost like a super crop style. And when you go to train it again, it's impossible. So just kind of talking from like my experience and, and, and basically how far I've gotten so far, I realized that uh, it's not a good idea to, to get that, that bark on there at that shorter area if you're not aiming for a small little plant. If you're aiming to get like a bigger plant and you want to be able to train it or manipulate it, um, you can never retrain it after you already got that knuckle on it. So it just makes it that much harder. So going back to the LST, it's it's all right to low stress train and kind of pull the plant around and do what you want to do with it. But um, you're committed once you once you put the training clip. So you do any kind of tying down and creating that little knuckle at the bottom. Training clips. There's some people who probably don't know what that is. Can you just clarify what exactly you mean by the training clips? Are they just the standard garden clips? Are you talking about the ones that actually attach to the actual stem? Yeah, I just thought it like kind of like doing research with them because I wanted to implement it in my garden. Um, and I don't know the exact name of them, but they're the ones that everybody's 3D printing now where you, you put it in there and it just kind of is in there. You know, th there's different strokes with different folks. It depends who you are and what you're trying to do. That's a perfect um, strategy for somebody that's not going to train the plant again. Because, like, you know, I, as far as my, my uh, product testing went, that's, that's what I tried to do. And um, it just it didn't, didn't work the way I wanted it to. I've never used those training clips that you mentioned, whether it goes directly out of the branches. Usually I'm actually clipping it onto the side of the grow pot, just a regular garden clip, and then using uh, just regular garden ties, like two bucks at your local gardening store, and using those to tie down the branches to the side of the grow pot. Definitely a different technique there. There's so many different ways to go about it. Are you tying the branches down to the side of the grow pot at all? Or are you just using the training clips? So that wasn't that. Like I said, that was um, just kind of like a, a trial that I did, just to see how everything would work out. Um, obviously, you know, I use the umbrellas, and uh, what I do, it's a custom trellis that I design. That um, it's not, it's not very given. It doesn't give, it doesn't give back. And once you open it, it's firm. It holds, and whatever I'm trying to train stays the way I want it to to go. So. Um, Basically, I was just trying to like see if I could um, train my plants a little lower at a lower point. Because if you could get away with using the way I thought of it, if I could tie two or three branches down and it would make a difference a little shorter, I just wanted to see what that would do. And, you know, I just didn't, I didn't like the way it worked out for me. Now, with, with that said, um, when it comes to training a plant, tying a plant down, like you just said, uh, a couple of my friends found that they, they like using like kind of like a more firm trellis because of the fact that sometimes when you when you pull a branch down, you'll have it down, you know, and it'll recalibrate is like what I like to call it when it recalibrates, comes back up towards the light. Sometimes these taller plants, they're like branches just go like this way on you for no reason. And it's just not as uh, organized. That's why I... Um, I still got to get you to uh, try one of my trellis units. Yeah, you mentioned umbrella 
And I'm sure that sparked a lot of people's interest. I'm sure there's a lot of people that haven't even heard of it. Can you talk to us about, uh, it's actually your product, right? You created this. It looks like an umbrella. It's a trellis net. Talk to us about that. So yeah, I got, uh, five years ago, I just, I kept, um, basically, uh, kind of like lollipop in my plant speak. And I know we're going to get there, but, um, so when I was training, uh, this plant called Gorilla Glue that everybody had in like 2015, you know, that's when I got it. And, um, I kind of like been growing it ever since. Um, so what was happening is this plant grew perfect. And when I would lollipop it, it just, it looked like the reflection of an umbrella. So, um, basically i i um i just didn't want to do like your traditional pvc when you're not using it usually like you can't really uh detach or retract it or anything like that it wasn't easy to store because like i tried it a couple times and i didn't like how it would just be not easy to store basically so i want to do something different and i seen this umbrella reflection coming out of the you know what i was looking at and that's when I decided to pull the trigger on it, and you know, five years later now, I've I've really, really, um, I really got it to the point where it's it's a really good formula. I wait till my plants are about ten inches tall, and what happens is I'll top it right around there. The branches will come out, and I'll have two perfect branches. And because this genetic called uh, Wookie Pebbles that Capulata, the breeder, actually made it's an exclusive genetic, nobody really got has access to it. But uh, I got it. That's a whole other story. And um, these this plant grows very very vertical. It just grows very stretchy. It grows like a like a like a sour diesel that I grew in the past, like really tall. And um, I would get I would hand it out to people, and they'd be like, "I give up. I don't want this plant anymore. That's it." And I'd be like, "What?" They're like, "I can't get it to produce." I mean, you top this plant, and it just instead of like it like the gorilla glue, we would top it, and the branches would just kind of like grow like that and it just be like this perfect bush after you top it this plant you would top it and then you just have another branch right on the side of it it wouldn't even and then it just be the same amount of branches it had just all going up and right and it wouldn't really fill anything in so um i didn't understand what anybody was talking about because i was working on this product when i got this genetic so when I hand out my product to people, and they're like, oh, this produced me so much more flour and this, that, and the other, and I wish I would have got it earlier, and like, I wish I would have you know, just listened to you two years ago. I'm like, relax, you got it. That's all that matters. Point is, they're like, this actually makes more production. Like, I really get more production out of it, but like I said, I've been using it so long, I don't realize anything anymore. I just keep you know, using my formula. So after 10 inches, once once the plant gets really stretchy because it's a stretchy plant and I'm actually forcing this plant to look bushy. So what happens is you get those two branches, then the other two are going to follow. And even in some cases, if you don't get the trellis on it early enough, it's very forgiving because what will happen is, um, first off, it's a, it's a portable trellis. It's just, it's basically uh, designed just for the the single plant. And what happens is, if if you don't get the trellis on it early enough and you don't start training it early enough, you can go ahead and let it just get tall and kind of out of control on you. And then when you get this trellis on it, if you if you tra- train the branches outward and there's still like a, a foot or two of like this plant just going up again, now I decided where if the plant is healthy, again, back to the healthy part, because if it's not healthy, there's no way you're going to pull this off if you've got purple stems. 
Once this branch goes back up, I then pull it back down and all the satellites that were going off of it now all like just kind of like get recalibrated and literally the energy leaves that 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 the, the upper part of this this branch that I pull over the energy like you go back like a week or two later and that thing's done it just kind of goes up like six or seven inches and that's all you're getting out of it but then you could get nine eight 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 to even ten branches just going off of that one that are like it just it puts that main branch to shame what like the way the oxens get distributed to the all the way the, the branches furthest away from the one you just pulled is going to be the thickest brolicus and then they're all going to be just gorgeous branches going up and you can just create your own canopy when when you are uh, when you're in control of of your garden like that and you know when it's an art and you're trying to grow a craft flower you know it's it just it's 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 a beautiful thing to watch. It feels like an art, and it gives you more time to, you know, clean, broom, you know, mop your your garden. Make sure it's clean because you're more efficient. You're you're not spending time grabbing a piece of rope, tying it down, grabbing a piece of rope, tying it down. That's okay for the guy with four plants in a in a tent. But when you're a micro grower and you got, you're like basically a caregiver for a few people, and you're you're growing on a larger scale, then even if it's a basement, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's nice to be able to create that beautiful art and train a plant the way you see them being trained, but not put that much physical labor into it. And that's what it, that's what basically why I did it. It looks like an interesting concept. It's definitely something I want to try out in the future uh, because I do find myself growing those tall plants and not wanting to tie down as much these days as I used to and... Uh, I think just putting that umbrella trellis in and being able to spread it out, it seems like it would be a little bit easier than doing all those ties, like you mentioned. Now, my my question is, I do wanna I do wanna butt in on that. I, I, I if you could hold your thought on that. So I, I you're saying that you don't like training your plants, and basically what happens is they go vertical, and I love vertical growth. Like that's actually where I get my production from. Is once I plant uh, train the plants to grow horizontal. Um, I then I then pretty much just leave them alone and really it just it just looks like a bunch of small plants on the side of each other. So there's nothing wrong with growing plants that just go straight up if that's if that's what you're happy with and you know how to you, you have the right light that penetrates down to that lower canopy, you're gonna get more production vertically. And uh, some people don't find it to be a pretty looking sight. But if you do it just right, lollipop and prune your maintenance your plants, you'll get um, you get more production that way vertical. Yeah, I was sorry, I wasn't bashing it or anything like that. Of just, it's just people get really, uh, you know, when it comes to growing, it's oh, people know, people yeah. want to fight with you, and like that's why I like I like uh, platforms like yours, and it'd be awesome if I can come on like other platforms and just have like a a nice civil debate with people on um, these conversations, and nobody has to punch nobody in the face. Yeah, exactly. But what I was saying is basically like just the time consuming that it takes to to tie down plants. So not so much disliking the shape, but more so like the time spent to, to, to tie things down. But I still do it. Um. Anyways, back to my question was about the umbrella trellis. I just want to know, like, what are the dimensions of it? Like, are you like when you put the trellis in, are you just shoving it down into the soil like a stake? Like you typically do with a stake? How far down does it go into the soil? Like, how does that work? So, um... Basically, I I basically been working on two different bases or uh, stands. Um, 
And what it is is one is I, I kind of make them custom to whoever. Like say like you reach out to me, you're like, look, I got this situation going on, and a lot of the times I will consult with people and try to tell them what are you trying to do, how many plants are you trying to have, and you do want to commit to the style because um, you know once you buy these, you kind of committed to that style. So what I do is uh, I have umbrellas all the way from two feet all the way to like f four feet, and I. Recently started making them square. Uh, the stands go in the soil, and they're made about 13 inches out. They're, they're really made to go into, like, 20-gallon pots, the ones I make for myself and, and local growers. But I make them smaller for anybody for whatever they're trying to do. And um, I make them, like, a little shorter than the pot so that, like, there's, like, four inches of give so that, uh, so that because I realized to put it actually in the soil... I got I got more results, so I had to go back to that. I was kind of like putting it out and over, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just make sure that there's an inch. If you could just get an inch of soil over that thing, I mean, those roots anchor it in, and then that's it. And usually, the best time to use it is on transplant. So you know, you're gonna transplant your plants. Then that's a good opportunity to put the stand in because it's just a stand. So what happens is, uh, you don't have to use the umbrellas right away. You can kind of just get that stand in there, and then worry about that later. And another reason why there are different tears to it is so that if you want to put a two-footer and still make it through the door, you can. And, you know, go to your, uh, you know, flower room with it and not have any, uh, you know, like uh, a plant that can't make it through a door. I just had a brain fart. I don't know why. But I didn't, I didn't want to run into, like, having a not be able to grab my plant from here and move it over there, basically. So what I did was... Um, you know, that's why I came up with that. And then, then once you get into flower room, if you want to put a bigger umbrella on it, you don't have to worry about, um, you know, space restrictions through a door or anything like that. You could pull this other umbrella out that's actually way bigger, put it on, or if it's even if it's not, it's just I made it that way for uh, people to have more options and be able to be more uh, mobile, more access to every side of that room say your electrician needs to get in your electrical panels on the other side of the room you could just pop the season like two minutes you know and you throw the second tier on whenever you want you throw the third tier fourth tier you could just keep going with tiers and like i said that's where vertical production comes from where it, um and i have to give a shout out to uh to cron don grows cron under uh c-h-r-o-n-e underscore don grows because um, he inspired me between him and um, the Northern Scrogger. Northern Scrogger taught me some techniques on how to kind of like make sure you don't um, tangle the wrong branches. Like when you're opening it up, it's one thing to focus on that, but don't let the branch get like tangled under the trellis, get the right branches to go up again. So I uh, got to give him a shout out. We would have conversations all the time and he would tell me how ugly the big plants are. He doesn't like them at all, but it's, it's all good. Well, it sounds awesome. I'm definitely going to check out your channel again or your Instagram page I should say and I think you have a website and stuff like that I'll definitely link your Instagram down in the YouTube description section below so those folks that are tuning in on this can click on your Instagram check it out they can see the umbrella trellis in action and uh, yeah let's move on to lollipopping you mentioned that a couple different times some people consider this a form of training other people consider it a form of pruning whatever way you think of it we'll, we'll, uh, we'll still cover it here today because it can definitely be very beneficial when it comes to helping to maximize yield. 
Talk to us about lollipopping. What is it and how do you go about it? So, so lollipopping is pruning. It's just the word that I think, if you ask me on, uh, you know, my, my outlook on it, I think it's just a word that we, we used to describe pruning because that's basically what it is. You're pruning the plant. And um, so nowadays uh, pruning is very important because you just don't want to be sitting there trimming little flowers. So um, if you don't want to, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, cry now, laugh later, because you're not going to be sitting there killing yourself later on when it's time to trim if you lollipop just right. It also, it frees up microclimates um, from happening where bugs can hide and mold can be created and all these issues can happen inside there because you're looking at your thermostat in the room and it says 60, but is it really 60, you know? So it's going to help you uh, stay away from issues. It's going to help airflow. It's going to help, in my opinion, the quality of your flower. Like when when my, I don't I don't run into like quality problems, and I think that has a little bit to do with it. That's a that's a part in the fact that I grow quality. Yeah, when I do lollipoping, I usually do the lower third, sometimes the lower fourth. I think a lot of people make the mistake of going too high up when they're lollipoping. And uh, ends up stunting the growth of the plant. You know, they do it right before stretch, and they don't get the stretch that they think they're going to get. Then all of a sudden, they they have poor production. Straightforward. So I think yeah. There's, another there's thing a, I want to talk about with the lollipopping is uh, sorry to cut you off, but um, so I do it four times a veg. I, I want to say a plant gets about four defoliations of vegetation. It gets about three to four in flower. And uh, speaking of like shocking the plant, we never do too much at one time. We kind of try to do so much at a time. And the reason why I do more late in flower too, like about 21 days to like, you know, that that 20 to 30 day period, I I still get in there because then you really start seeing these little flowers that just aren't going to make the cut. And it's really important for me to have quality flowers. So I just take off the little tiny flowers that just aren't they're not going to turn into anything so we go all the way until like day 30 got it that makes sense yeah last time i will actually do the lollipopping is uh typically it's around day 21 in flower but even like during flower you can get some stuff kind of growing down there so i usually kind of maintain that continue to kind of pluck off those little buds that are growing down on the lowers even into flowering just to make sure that uh don't end up with that popcorn larfy stuff at the end of the grow. So topping, let's get into that. And there's quite a few people who do topping and there are so many different ways to go about it. I mean, when I first started out, I was letting the plant grow to the fifth node and then topping down to the third. Then I was, you know, next time around, let the plant grow up to the fifth node, top at that fifth node and let those lower branches grow up. There's a bunch of different ways to go about it. What, what do you do for topping? Um, so I had a friend who would like always just top, 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 top and not do plant maintenance. I'd be like, dude, like, Take care of the plants. He got like really just gun ho with the whole topping. Um, as far as topping goes with me, I wait 10 inches, let the plant create the Y structure that I like to, um, you know, my terminology. It, it creates that Y, let it open it up. Once that happens, um, sometimes the plant don't grow perfect and even. So there'll be like one branch that just like outgrows the canopy later on, like early veg late flower i'll come in i'll top that one let another 
you know, like usually when it's like late in veg, I'll start to try to flatten my canopy out. So I'll just come in and find the tallest branch, top it. Then I'll wait until another plant, another branch passes the canopy and then come and top it. But it's more of a, for me, it's more of like a place and time for it. I completely agree. I have, I usually grow a variety of different cultivars and oftentimes I'll get that one cultivar that just grows slower. It stays squattier. And then this other one uh, just happens to just have longer inner nodes, grow faster. So like those ones I'll top more often and allow my other plants that are growing slower or stand squattier to kind of catch up a little bit because oftentimes they're growing in one grow tent and I have to flip that whole tent to flower at once. So just kind of utilizing training on some plants to control the height while the other plants catch up is, is certainly beneficial. And topping does, you know, it can certainly, if you're doing topping and low stress training, you can certainly manipulate the plant and train the plant to be more of a wider structure, have more main colas coming up, and can certainly increase your overall yield. So I'm definitely glad we covered topping because that is uh, one of the main high stress training techniques that a lot of people use in order to try to increase yield. Yeah, and it's all about a leveled canopy. And that's where topping will help you out. You're just making sure you're not, you're not letting anything get like this. You don't, you don't want something low and something high. Yep. If you do get branches, one get low, one get high, one thing I usually do is, particularly in flower when I can't do any other type of training, is super cropping to bend that branch down and allow the other ones to, to catch up. Do you do any super cropping at all? Can you talk about what that is and when you usually do it, if you do it? Yeah, I'm happy you brought that up because uh, I, I don't really use it because, um, you know, like I said earlier, once you get that knuckle um, in flower, it's okay to get it because um, you're not really trying to train it after that. Um, I don't do uh, super cropping because I'm not in a low ceiling situation. Uh, I noticed that after I super crop it, the, the, the branch no longer wants to stretch, and that's where I get my production from, where um, these new genetics, they kind of just like grow stretchy and they stack up far apart from each other. Those are the genetics I love. So I actually don't like my plants to do that, so I don't do super crop. That's the experience I have with it. Got it. Yeah, I know uh, Pigeons420. I don't know if you know who he is. I'm on a podcast with him. You do? He, uh, funny guy. He super crops every single branch, which I thought was just super interesting and when it's young as well because he wants to build up that strength in the branches. So, uh, you know, there's so many different ways to go about it. I personally only super crop in, like, in flowering the first three weeks when I have that stretch period and one of the branches or, or, some of the branches get up and grow over the other ones. I'll super crop those ones only in order to try to uh, yeah, maintain that even canopy. Yeah, in that situation. It really does. Yep. I've, I've done it before. I'm not a master at it, but I've done it. And um, a friend of mine does it as well. And I go by, I look at his grow, and I like it. You know, it works great for the the application he's in. Yeah, he's in a, he's in a tent, so I get it. And like you said, there's certain branches that, you know, you kind of want to do to get it to all just be that level canopy. Yeah, it can make sense for many different applications. Let's get into defoliation. This is another thing where some people consider it training, other people consider it a form of pruning. Uh, either way, a lot of people claim that it does increase yield. So I figured we get into that today. Do you do any type of defoliation at all? If so, when do you do it? 
Uh, I do. Well, when I do, when I say I'm doing uh, lollipop, and I'm pretty much uh, defoliating. Um, I mean, I know they're both different because um, sometimes you go with uh, focus that you're gonna lollipop and prune, and defoliation sometimes could just be you going like into your flower room. Usually is where I would defoliate and just take leaves off where they. So. What I was taught a long time ago, and this is kind of a technique I still use, I I grow these kind of like big plants, so I'll try to create a circle of light penetration, and I'll pick off a leaf that's on this side, a leaf that's on this side, another one this way, and this way, and I'll just go in a circle, defoliating, I'll focus on that one little area, and once it looks like there's light penetrating to the bottom, I'll move on to another circle per se. And I'll just start doing that. I'll go in a circle with taking leaves off. And that allows that penetration all the way down. Huh, okay. Are you only doing that in veg or are you doing that in flower as well? Some people do it in late flower as well. Yeah, I do that mainly in flower. Okay. Mainly in flower to allow the light to get in there. I don't I, I can't think of a time that I'm defoliating and not lollipopping when I'm doing it any other time. So if I'm in veg I'm just either when I'm lollipopping, I am defoliating. Those things can definitely go hand in hand, that's for sure. Speaking of uh, people, you said people use it as a training technique. And I've noticed that uh, I think Beast Coast does it as well. He learned it from uh, the master... Grandmaster level. Grandmaster yep. oh, level. Yeah. And he learned that if you take these leaves off at the top, these big leaves, that actually trains the plant too. So that's a pretty cool little technique that I've, you know, I just learned just watching people, but... That's that's a cool little uh, thing. One of the things I like to do is really focus on defoliating like the center, like in the middle of the canopy, going down in, and kind of leaving those outer ones mostly, mostly towards like the bottom of the plant, the the outer around. I like to leave those big bottom leaves there, oftentimes because that could, and I call it the skirt method actually, because it kind of looks like a, a skirt in a sense. Um, the reason why is because if you're coming across a deficiency, right? Things happen, right? The nutrition, things could get out of balance in the medium and you could start seeing signs of deficiency. That helps, right? To be able to see that happening because if you take off the leaves, well, then you, you kind of screwed in that sense because then you, you, you don't really see the deficiency as well as if you had those lowers. So I figured I'd mention the skirt technique is kind of leaving those lowers as an indicator so you could see if you're seeing a deficiency or not. I had a friend of mine that just told me not to leave the skirt there because I used to. And ever since then, I just stopped doing it. So there's no rhyme or reason, but I don't leave the skirt there. Yeah. I mean, what are you talking about, vegetation or flower? I usually do the defoliation in like veg before flipping the flower, and then I'll keep it. And you leave the skirt on? Yep. And then I'll keep it into flower. Uh, the first three weeks, I usually uh, defoliate. I'll look to defoliate on day seven, day 14, and day 21, but oftentimes it doesn't need to be defoliated that often. Genetics is going to depend on it, of course. Uh, but yeah, I'll leave that, that skirt all the way through there. I don't, I don't, you know, never really saw harm in leaving that skirt. The only thing, if there's a lack of airflow, then yeah, you're going to, I'm going to pull off the leaves there. But other than that, I'll just leave those bottom leaves there. You leave them all the way through too, huh? Yep, so different strokes for different folks. <laughs> no, I mean, I like I said, I don't do it, but it's not a rhyme or reason why I don't do it. All right, well, uh, we covered quite a few. I think the only thing we didn't really cover was fimming. And I think if you remember correctly, last time we spoke, you don't do any type of fimming, right? No, I don't do fimming because uh, I'm just uh, not something I ever got into. Plus, um, 
it kind of creates more branches, and I'm not too crazy about more branches in that in, in certain scenarios. Okay. Are there any other plant training techniques that we didn't cover that you'd like to talk about? No, I think uh, we pretty much covered everything. Like I said, I just uh, usually pull my plants out, but if if I uh, if I'm slacking and my plants get too tall, I'll usually come back and wrap it around the outside, which is you know basically covered that. So I think I think we're pretty good as far as uh, plant training. Nice. I appreciate you coming on the podcast and revealing your training techniques. Just wanna. I think if I could shed light on anything, it would be that. Um, my first trellis is is simply to train the plant. The second trellis is to support the middle branches, and the third plant, I mean, uh, trellis is to uh, support the upper part of the branches. So, you know, to anybody out there that can like, uh, you know, I encourage you to try it both ways. Really, I encourage you to not train them after after you train them the first time. But if you want to do an experiment, go ahead, and you'll see that. Um, it just works a lot better when you just let the plant just go up after that. That's how you get the the colas. If you keep just training and training branches, you end up with skinnier branches and then you end up with skinnier flower. Oh, smaller smaller flowers. I've made that mistake before. Uh, you know, continuing to train all the way to, till stretch was done and all of a sudden I have these... Uh, this real small flat plant, which uh, doesn't really grow up much, and the buds are just kind of all consolidated. And yeah, it's and then sometimes you got a branch hand, and you got this one here, and then it's like you train this one again, and now you're just shading another one. So it's like you got to kind of like pick when when's enough and is enough on the training, the topping, with all of that. Good advice. Any other advice for maybe beginners who are just training for the first time? Just to find a good uh, seed bank, a genetic bank, uh, you know, somewhere where you could get some good, reliable seeds. Um, pretty much start off there. Uh, get your environment under control. Uh, tent is the best way to go about that because it retains everything a lot better than just trying to start off in a room that's going to not have uh, any, it's not going to be able to retain as well. So, you know, a tent's very efficient. Um Make sure not to water too much because everybody makes that mistake. When it comes to cloning, don't add, fill the thing up with water. Actually, just leave a little bit at the bottom to where the roots actually have to go searching for it. Um, and just uh, if you're using LEDs, make sure to keep your, you can go as high as like 87 and keep your humidity as high as up to 65 and you'll be fine. If you could stay under that uh, VPD for those LEDs, you, you do a lot better. Um, HPS wasn't; it does, it's not as uh, it's a little more forgiven because of uh, I guess uh, they say that the uh, the HPS actually create heat. So for you to for you to use the LED, you have to kind of like run your room a little hotter to kind of buffer that whole difference. So. Those few things I think are very important, making sure you, because the clones are very important, of course, the um, your environment for your plants is very important. Humidity is very important when they're small. You could do them things and, and, and you get off to a good start. All right, good stuff. So wrapping things up, how can the listeners find you and do you have anything upcoming in the future that you want to talk about? Pretty much uh, nothing coming up in the future. I've just uh, been just working on this project that I've been working on since forever. Now, um, 
the web trellis, which is uh, an idea that I patented, and um, I'm trying to get it out there just so people could see it, use it, kind of like grow with the, you know, use use the uh, the web trellis style in their garden. Um, it's always just, you know, it's an option. And um, I'm on Instagram as umbrella underscore trellis, and uh, my backup is uh, the web trellis. Um, I'm going to actually, uh, that's pretty much it. Just going to be on there and, um, I am going to build my, uh, different, different, um, social platforms up because right now it's basically only Facebook and IG, but moving forward, maybe even, um, get my YouTube channel going, start growing some tomato plants or something and really start like crushing it and showing people how, uh, you get some really good production horizontal too it's not or just vertical awesome well like i mentioned earlier in the episode i'll definitely have a link to josh's instagram down in the youtube description section below if you're on one of the podcast platforms just search for him you'll find him if you enjoyed this episode click that thumbs up button also subscribe to the channel if you haven't already every single weekend i'm releasing a new garden talk podcast and i would love for you to tune into future episodes josh once again thanks for coming on this has been uh it's been pretty insightful i always like talking about plant training because there are just so many different ways to do to go about it and hearing your way to go about it which is different from my way which is different than a lot of other people's ways is uh, is interesting and there's definitely some takeaways here so thank you for coming on to the podcast today appreciate it awesome all right peace out everyone catch you in the next episode